Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Way We Get By. I'm Tim. I'm Liam. Liam? Oh man, that was really that was really cheery uh Cheerio? greeting. Cheer yeah, my favorite I cereal. I don't have Cheerios. No, we don't. They're... We ran out. Wait. Wait, I thought I saw Ben with him today. Did he have some Cheerios yeah, today? Yeah, he had some. Oh gosh. Cheerios okay. aren't my favorite. Yeah, you know, me neither. They're they're not that good. <laughs> I mean, in the scheme of cereals, you know. Anyways, Liam. Liam, 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 how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I I I could have completely predicted that you were gonna say that. Um I'm doing well. Uh how is your how is your day going? Everything going okay? It's going good. Awesome. Can you share an update of what's been going on in your world? What's been going on in your life? What are you doing right now? Maybe not right now, because I know what we're doing right now. I'm but... staying at home. That's yes, that's a good Because of the coronavirus. Yes. Um, but you're one okay. We can talk about this. You are doing something um, in our driveway uh, over the last few days. You've been trying to do uh, inline skating. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I guess right before everything went down, we found a pair of inline skates at the local Goodwill. Mm-hmm. And you've been practicing. How's that going? It's been going good. Have you fallen down much? Um, a few times. Hey, you know, but that's that's gonna happen mm -hmm. when you're trying something new. You're gonna fall down, you're gonna hurt yourself, but mm -hmm. as long as you keep getting back up, you're all good. Mm -hmm. um, anything else? Anything else going on? Well, we're very um, excited about this episode. Uh, we have on the show Rebecca Talbot, and she shares about an organization she volunteers with um, in Florida, where she lives. And I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that and uh, let her share exactly what she does. So, without further ado. Here's our interview with Rebecca. And today, Rebecca Tabbitt. Hey, Rebecca. Hey. How, How are you guys? <laughs> We're doing okay. We're hanging in there. How are you? Good, good. Before we jump in and before we go, like, I'm really excited about uh, to talk to you about a lot of things. But can you tell us just before all that a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Well, I live in Florida and... Um, I moved down here, my husband and I moved down here uh, three or four years ago to be closer to family. We used mm -hmm. to live in Chicago, which is where we met um, some mutual friends of yours, uh, Ian and Ruthie North. And um, yeah, I am a freelance writer and um, also am an active volunteer with Friends of Miami Dade detainees. So that is a perfect segue because one of the things that I've been really um, impacted by, especially following you like on social media, like on Facebook, is a lot of your advocacy. Can you share how you uh, learned about this volunteer program and how or maybe just how you learned about um, critical immigration issues just in general? Yeah, Um yeah, I guess I'll start kind of in in the past. Um, when I moved to Chicago in 2005 for graduate school, um, my one of my roommates was undocumented. And um, so from her, I got to learn a lot about her experience. Um, I learned that like she paid taxes. <laughs> that kind of floored me, uh, that she, she paid taxes but was not gonna get anything back from the government. Um, and I think she also was uh, fairly anxious. Um, so just kind of learning about her experience. And also just, um, it was 2005, so it was before a lot of the hateful rhetoric and climate that we were in. So like 
she mentioned that she was undocumented, didn't have a social security number, and it was just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was just normal at that point. And um, yeah. so when I hear about a lot of the um, the hateful things that are being said about immigrants, I just think about um, my roommate and I just like sitting on the couch watching TV together, and yeah. it just seems like it's just there's so many lies being spread about um, what what immigrants are like and especially if people don't have um, a particular set of paperwork um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of lies about them yeah that reminds me of like a, I guess uh, a little bit after 2005 so maybe 2006 2007 my wife we start she started working for world relief here in Atlanta and um, and that was a yeah and so that was a lot that was before a lot of this similar rhetoric about refugees and I, every once in a while, I'll just kind of think, man, I kind of miss those days where people just, they were, they're kind of ignored, which sounds horrible. But it's like, I remember those days where things could just kind of happen in the background and there wasn't this fear, partially because a lot of people just didn't know. And I'm not that I actually think that, of course, but, but part of me is like, oh man, I miss those days where no one really thought about it and nobody knew that it was not, nobody knew. Anyways, it sounds horrible, but, but uh, I have similar, like, yeah it's good that there's a more awareness and that some people have more empathy, yeah. but the level of fear that people are under right mm -hmm. now is just horrific. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, I guess that you kind of also already answered this somewhat, but I was going to ask what I guess is a lot because of a, because of your roommate, but what about from then until now, how have these issues kind of become more significant for you? Yeah, um, so definitely meeting Ian and Ruthie and um, getting educated from them about what their work is. They work mm -hmm. with um, refugee that Ian has been on your show before. <laughs> yeah, learning from them about the immigrant and refugee community that they were living with. And um, mm. then especially when um, Trump was elected and just like hearing so, so many lies and so much hate and um, I decided that this was the issue that I cared about and wanted to focus on. Um, and especially, like, I'm a Christian, and Jesus is full of grace and truth. And yeah. so I want yeah. to be able to counter the lies. I, I was kind of looking for um, organizations to be part of. I was volunteering here and there. There's a really active um like immigration activist community in uh, South Florida, and I was volunteering a lot. But then um, someone from my church uh, mentioned that, that so he had heard an NPR um, program about how ICE takes people and puts them in immigration detention centers, like really far from everything from where they can get legal aid, yeah. from where they can get um, just support from their communities, from their friends and family. And that mm -hmm. seems to be kind of a strategy yeah. of ICE <laughs> that just really isolate people. And so he mentioned that there is um, a detention center in Blades County, Florida, that is, uh, it's 200 miles round trip from where I live um, and really from, oh, it's really far from any major city. And so he suggested like, hey, maybe that's something that we could get involved in. And so, um, so 
there was nobody who was consistently visiting people out there, um, just from the community. Uh, so I started doing that in mid January. Wow. So yeah. And, um, with support from friends of Miami Dade detainees, they've mm. been doing this kind of work for like seven, seven plus years. Oh, wow. What are these kind of visits and, uh, trips look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so one of the things that also isolates people at Glades is that, um, they can only have visits every five days. So, uh, <laughs> so you think about like a typical month Man. and like how often that fifth day falls on a weekend yeah. um, when most people can visit. So I ended up going up there. Um, I was trying to go about once a month, but then visitation got shut down because of um, the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going up there three times total. And... So a typical visit is two hours, um, mm -hmm. and it is like a no-contact visit. So if you picture like um, how like often in TV shows or movies, they'll have the plexiglass, and uh, you pick up a phone and mm -hmm. talk through the phone. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what it's like. Mm-hmm. How um, can you share about some, maybe some of your some of of the couple times of the few times you're able to go, how those conversations went, what they were like, that sort of thing? Yeah. So um, one of the people that I visited with um, was Brian, who um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about yeah. him um, throughout. But yeah. So my first visit, he um, I met with Brian. He's 21. Um, so. I drove through, uh, like, all, all the way through, like, the Everglades, mm -hmm. and then Sugarcane, and then um, got to this, like, tiny county jail in the middle of yeah. Florida, and um, just, there's a lot of apathy there, and um, just, like, you can tell even at the front desk that <laughs> there's a lot of apathy, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, so yeah, I um, I got to meet with Brian, and um, I guess he like he walked out, and I think I had forgotten what twenty one looks like. He's just <laughs> so young, and oh, man. Uh, yeah, and he just talked for the whole two hours. I think his first question to me was, "What did you have for breakfast?" <laughs> so <laughs> you could tell a little bit about his personality from that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And just like talking about family and um, friends and growing up. And he asked me what my life goals are. <laughs> oh, wow. Question. Oh, man. What, one of the um, posts you've been sharing on Facebook has been about Brian. It's been really just hearing his story, reading what his siblings have written about him has been really, really powerful. Can you share a little bit about his, his background, kind of his current struggles right now um, in the detention center? Yeah. Um, would it be okay to read what his siblings wrote? Uh, that would be wonderful. Yes. If you'd like to do that, that'd be great. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to share the story from their perspective. That sounds wonderful. So they wrote, our brother Brian is a 21 year old who has lived in the United States since he was three years old. When he was picked up by ICE, he wanted his freedom so badly. He immediately agreed to be deported to Argentina, a country he has no memory of. 
In fact, he was so young when he left Argentina, the country eventually pronounced him dead. The only life he remembers has been in the United States. Brian grew up in the U.S. helping everyone however he could. He went from house to house to work odd jobs to earn money to share with us and our dad. He would pick up groceries for our grandparents. He loves helping people and bringing people together. When we moved to a quiet neighborhood where people kept to themselves, Brian changed the atmosphere there so it would be more welcoming. He introduced himself to all the other kids and invited them outside to play rugby and handball. During high school, he was on the wrestling team and track team. After school, he worked as a busboy. He volunteered at our church in his free time. After high school, he moved to Florida so he could be closer to his baby son. Mm. He worked hard as a roofer in the Florida heat, leaving before 5 a.m. and working until 5 or 6 at night. Then one spring day, when he was only 20 years old, he disappeared. When immigrants like our brother are taken to detention centers in the U.S., it's like they're a missing person. They just vanish. We didn't realize that at that moment, Brian was signing voluntary departure papers. ICE told him if he cooperated, he could be deported within a month. This did not happen. He has now been transferred back and forth from detention center to detention center for nearly a year. He is currently at Glades County Jail, a facility in one of the least populous counties in Florida. People detained at Glades describe horrifying conditions, food with bugs in it, bathrooms with maggots around the toilets, and staff who tell detained immigrants, I hope you die. In the four months he has spent at Glades, Brian has often been hungry and lost weight. He tells us there are nights he can't sleep because he's in pain from hunger. And every day for nearly a year, he has been held without trial, waiting for news about when he can be free. We want Brian to be released. We want to be reunited. We all grew up together, and without him, we're like a puzzle with a missing piece. We want him to be reunited with his son. Our brother was a child when he came to the United States and has as much right to be here as any other child born here. We are scared for him as we hear reports of the pandemic. We are, are afraid he will die at Glades and we won't even hear about it. Brian and thousands of immigrants like him have family in the US who are ready to take them in. Don't let ICE deport Brian. ICE cannot continue to put his life at risk. They need to be held accountable. Demand that ICE release now. Stella, Rosa, and Axel. Thank, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Can you, so are there, I feel really badly. I'm, I'm totally asking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, can you share since, since the, your kind of first posting um, about his, his situation, have there been any kind of updates, any changes, or is it all still pretty much, pretty much the same? It's pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 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 I think just, um, it would be good to share his petition as much as yeah. possible. I want to get to actually 5,000 signatures. We're at 1,500 right mm. now. Uh, and then we'll be able to go to ICE and say, look how many people want him released. Yeah. How is the coronavirus affecting Brian and the detention center? Center. That's a great question. Yeah, um, it's really scary. Um, he was. He told me about it before it really became a concern on everyone else's radar. People mm -hmm. were 
just warehoused in these detention centers were um, seeing the news and being concerned about it, like for other people, because they knew what what an infectious disease, like a disease that spreads so quickly, um, a, a virus that spreads so quickly, would mean to them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're just like crowded into these places. There are 90 people in every dorm. So like most of their day is spent with 90 other people in really close proximity. So um, like we're all trying to self-isolate and just mm -hmm. be people. like we would not want to just be in a group with 90 other people right yeah. now. Um, but that's their day, day in and day out. And um, they're also really concerned because new people keep coming in. So um, people keep getting, yeah, yeah. Like, you think that we would have different priorities as a country right now, but actually um, ICE is still going around and picking new people up and taking them. First, they usually go to Chrome in Miami and um, then they get transferred to Glades. So every time new people come from Chrome, like they're not being tested for um, coronavirus. They are not being tested for um, COVID-19. Like at the most, they'll take their temperature, but mm -hmm. we know people can go without symptoms for a really yeah. long time. Oh man. Um, yeah. And Liam, one thing that also really upset me recently was um, Brian told me that he had tried to trade some of his food. So he he likes uh, like he'll have ramen noodles um, sometimes, and he tried to trade some of those to get a mask so that he could protect himself um, a little bit better. So that made me really sad. Oh man, I've known I've seen a lot of people trying to petition to for ice. Um, I'm sure I already know the answer. <laughs> I'm sure just just in knowing just, yeah, um, how things have been lately. But there's a lot of petition to, to release to release prisoners. Has there been any headway or is it still pretty much just silence and, and no change in that at all? Um, I think kind of one by so it seems like we're having to ask for people to be released kind of one by one. Mm. Um, so what we're trying to do is uh, this organization, Friends of Miami-Dade Detainees, is um, doing a lot of work to put together medical requests and um, put together medical reasons why people should be released. Mm -hmm. And um, either because they're, um, they're older and therefore at risk or because they have some of the um, the risk factors for COVID-19. So some of those successful, but, uh, there should be a lot wow. more that are yeah, successful. Yeah. This is going to sound really cynical, but I'm actually surprised There's any also, of them. Oh, sorry. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that does give me some hope, there was a federal lawsuit recently that, um, Southern Poverty Law Center, did that um, they it was a class action lawsuit nationwide that said that ICE has to be accountable for the people who are wow. medically like as a class and um, consider releasing them so reevaluate their case and see if mm -hmm. they can be released 
Oh, wow. So that's, that's hopeful. Like, yeah, it just seems absolutely. Like so much pressure on yeah. them before they'll do anything. Yeah. So I guess our last, I'll let you ask the last question. Anybody who's listening and um, wants to get like learn, learn more and get involved, how can they do that? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. The one thing that would be really helpful would be to just please sign and share Brian's petition. Um, it has to get to 5,000 signatures, mm. so every signature really counts. Um, you can go to change.org release Brian now. Um, his name is spelled B-R-A-I-A-N. So um, it's a little bit of an unusual spelling, B-R-A-I-A-N, release Brian now. So that's awesome. really helpful. Also, um, you can go to uh, Friends of Miami Dade detainees. You can follow mm. them on Facebook. Um, we are in the process of a name change because we feel like uh, detainee is kind of a toxic word. Mm. It sort of reduces the person to um, kind of what what ICE, like how ICE would think of them. Yeah, and yeah. A whole person. So anyway, um, we're we're in the process of a name change, but right now it's mm. Friends of Miami Day Detainees, org, and you can learn more there. Thank you so much for what you're doing and, and all the attention you're bringing to these issues because... Um, I mean, even even personally, we you know we get stuck in our you know we're working from home, we're schooling from home, and we kind of get stuck in our own sort of world of our own events, and we don't think so much about bigger implications of what this pandemic is doing, and just bigger issues in general, you know, even without the pandemic. So, I just we're really so grateful for for all that you're doing to 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 voice these concerns. Oh, you guys are doing so much too. You're, uh, I know you guys are living in. A- an immigrant community and like living in community with immigrants and uh, just that you really care about these issues as well. So thank you. Oh, thanks. So that was our interview with Rebecca. Awesome, Liam. Um, so it's funny how she spoke about um, the detention center that she visits, Glades, because there is a similar detention center um, here outside of Atlanta, uh, Stewart. Maybe I want to say maybe similar to hers. I don't. I don't have the. I'm trying to remember the exact number, but I'm, I want to say around 100 miles probably, um, outside of Atlanta, in a very very similar circumstances um, where it's a uh, very secluded, very hidden, and very deliberately so. Like it's it's hidden and isolated on purpose um, to make it difficult. So we we uh, I was able to visit with a small group. Of, I want to say about a year ago. I'm, I'm probably wrong, but. And I haven't been back since then, and, and part of the reason is because it's just so, it takes a day to, to pull off, um, and it's just intentionally, intentionally hard. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to link to several of the uh, the websites she, uh, Rebecca, mentioned in her interview. I um, also want to encourage you, especially if you're a listener here in the Atlanta area and want to somehow get involved, like her, like what she's doing in Florida, here outside of Atlanta, if you want to get involved in similar circumstances, uh, visit people who are detained at these uh, detention centers. There is a wonderful organization um, in Lumpkin, Georgia, right right uh, in the city where this uh, this detention center is. Um, El Refugio is a wonderful organization. They do so much for, um, not only for families of people who are uh, detained in these centers, but also 
they do a lot just for the people who are detained themselves and really, really um, trying to find any sort of legal help that they can. It's it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful organization. Actually, it was featured on uh, Samantha Bee's um, uh, show on TBS, Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. Um, there's a whole uh, segment that was dedicated to them, I think, over a year ago. Anyways, they're such a, they're such a great group. So um, I guess we're going to leave it at that. Sorry I rambled, Liam. That's I feel okay. like I'm doing a lot of that. That's you okay. all right? You're not That's offended? I'm not offended. Okay. I want you to just start, one day just start rambling. I just want you to just... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Um, so uh, please, uh, please uh, check out the the petition uh, for Brian. Please sign that, and just please let let people know about this. It's it's already intentionally hidden from public view. Um, so we really need as many voices as possible to, to to elevate these concerns and to let the general public know about it. Okay, I'm gonna stop rambling. With that. We're going to call it call it an episode. Liam, can you take us out with our four goals for staying safe during the pandemic? Stay at home, wash your hands, don't get infected, and love your neighbors. <laughs>